Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. The evidence is indisputable. The areas occupied and managed by indigenous peoples span 24% of the global terrestrial surface, and they are home to 80% of the world's remaining biodiversity. This is no coincidence. Indigenous peoples have known how to live on and take care of the land since time immemorial. We know that wherever you find cultural diversity, you will be sure to find biological diversity. In fact, globally, there are overlaps of areas rich in biodiversity with areas of cultural and linguistic diversity. I'm artisan. I work for the Teptepe Foundation in the Philippines as a policy advisor at this meeting and my task here was to be the co-lead negotiator on digital sequence information or DSI. And um, thinking back on where we're at, uh, I think it's a positive place. Uh, it may require a little bit of understanding on the part of those listening to this what di digital sequence information is. Um, digital sequence information is just the sequence of genes and represented in digital form. So genes are formed of something called nucleotides and um, nucleotides are made up of different kinds of, um, of uh, base pairs that create amino acids that create all the traits and all of the diversity that we see of life. And so scientists will read the code of deoxyribonucleic acid and, and then represent that code with four different letters. And that is a digital sequence uh, representing the, the, just the string of letters um, of, the, of the genes and the chromosomes um, contained with all animals, plants, fungi, and so on. Um, the we do in the convention uh, is founded on the principle that genetic resources are the sovereign under the sovereign control of nation states. Prior to that they were part of the common heritage of humankind. Um, that was a significant change in how uh, genetic resources are regulated. So we have many regulations. We created a whole uh, subsidiary treaty called the Nagoya Protocol underneath the Convention on Biological Diversity to deal with these genetic resources. And in that treaty, there were many indigenous peoples and local communities' rights that were recognized, um, uh, particularly the right to control access to um, and control the use of traditional knowledge that is associated with genetic resources. The Nagoya Protocol also recognizes indigenous peoples' rights to genetic resources when this is recognized by the nation state that is sovereign over those resources. Now this is divergent from uh, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples in which Article 31 states that they have full control and rights over genetic resources. Now this being said, uh, we had major wins in the recognition of rights to prior informed consent. That's the language of the convention. For indigenous peoples, we would say free prior and informed consent. Um, and the right to have to establish what's called mutually agreeable terms. So 
um, in this access and benefit sharing system, it was envisioned that uh, indigenous peoples or local communities would contract with scientists, researchers, or corporations. Um, and in this contract, they would have the right to say yes or no um, to letting others have access to their knowledge or their genetic resources. And then they would negotiate terms. So this is called the ABS system, Access and Benefit Sharing. The problem is that in Nagoya and in the convention, Genetic resources are viewed as something geographic. Somebody comes onto your territory and asks to have access, and you say yes or no. And if you say yes, you negotiate an agreement. But that's at a sample level, such as a, you take a seed, you take a whole plant, you take a piece of tissue, and you go back and you analyze that. Um, the problem is, uh, today, science has kind of moved on from that. Of course, they start with um, genes. In order to do digital sequences, you have a, a physical sample. But then, that sequence, that digitized sequence of letters um, is created. And then, it is no longer attached to a physical sample. And uh, the sequence of genes, that digital sequence information, can be stored in a database, can be transmitted over the internet, it can be made public in public databases, corporations can put it into private databases, and, that is, and then what they do with that information is they break it up into little pieces and segments, and they are generating trillions of these kinds of segments every year. Uh, there's a lot more going on. I won't get into the technical details. There's um, something called annotation, where the value of these little sequences comes from when you understand what they do, what their function is. So that is called annotation. Um, and the problem is when you start breaking the, the information down into little bitty segments, then it becomes hard to understand sometimes where does this information come from. We know that it has to come from somewhere, but again, there's often no information at, in these databases about where that came from. Um, so you've now divorced and, and delinked the genetic information from the actual resource, and so that created this giant gap in between the concepts being used and applied both in UNDRIP and in the Convention on Biological Diversity and Nagoya Protocol, um, because there was and there was absolutely no regulation on these sequences. They were being used and generated by scientists, much of it for non-commercial, non-profit use. Uh, there are many beneficial uses. For example, you can use these digital sequences to um, identify populations at risk. In an era of climate change, you can identify diseases of wild species and crops. So um, sequencing data has many, many conservation uses that are not commercial. But it also has commercial uses in the development of drugs and medicines and products and biological mole molecules and so on. So, but that was unregulated. And the, there's no absolutely right now, these databases run by their own rules, and there's no overall regulation. So, 
that meant that there was no control over uses or access and there's no control there's no benefit sharing coming from this major utilization of biological diversity so that's why we're here now with the digital sequence information negotiations is to deal with that major gap now the big wins in the outcome um, first of all it is proposed that we create a global multilateral benefit sharing mechanism that will collect um, some kind of fee from and in some way to be determined from the use of digital sequence information. This fee will be deposited in a global fund and then there's the question of well what is that fund for? The good news is the decision says the primary beneficiaries of the fund will be indigenous peoples and local communities. Why is this? It is because they're recognizing that, that the indigenous peoples and local communities are the first guardians of biodiversity. They're the first stewards. They're the ones who protect it and shape biodiversity and have maintained it since time immemorial. And this gift that indigenous peoples and local communities given to the world is is a major gift. And so they're saying that if we want to protect biodiversity in the future and continue to have these kinds of genetic resources, genetic diversity, and be able to derive digital sequence information, that they are the best investment that uh, we can make. So the way this fund will work is it will fund projects that will in reinforce and maintain traditional knowledge, help them restore lands that have been degraded and damaged, often by uh, forces outside of their territories. Um, it can be used by multiple purposes that, co that contribute to conservation and sustainable use. And we think that is a major win. The other win that we have is we set up a process to look at principles, developing principles for data governance, and that will allow us to, um, to ensure that indigenous peoples and local community values are respected and protected, and to, uh, also to help form partnerships with those who might want to use um, digital sequence information to more consistently work with them whenever digital sequences are related to um, culturally sensitive or culturally important species. Um, now, some of the risks in the future, we now have artificial intelligence um, moving and machine learning moving at a very rapid pace. And um, modern research often now doesn't even have to go back to the original physical sample like in, in it did in the past. Instead, computers are now used to identify um, potential inventions and novelties. So where you, you might have control over the first copying of, of these D, digital, uh, DNA sequences, um, then the information being fed into computers, at some point the computers can start inferring new rules and new combinations that will say, well, if you take, it, we know this kind of chemical does this, 
and and it and it has these properties but it if it's combined with this other thing we also know how these properties or we can infer how they interact and predict novel properties and so they can start doing invention without even having to go um, to the genetic resources uh, we believe again if the benefit sharing mechanism works and we don't know there's no example now of, of at a large scale that this could work um, but if it does work, we, it will generate substantial benefits. And even if AI is creating things um, under this mechanism, it, there will still be fees that will go to the global benefit-sharing mechanism to support indigenous peoples and local communities. If it fails, we still have Nagoya Protocol. It doesn't go away. We have many laws related to that. Um, but we also believe that if we can get this global fund going, the amount of resources being made available could be at least an order of magnitude greater than what we're getting. Um, which, for example, it, imagine moving from something that is generating $100 million a year to more like 2 to $5 billion a year. And that kind of money could have very substantial benefits for IPLCs. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs>